well, Peter the Dolphin was um, the first dolphin, though. With, they tried to teach human language uh, under the influence of LSD. So wait, wait, they gave Peter the Dolphin LSD. Correct. They gave they gave <laughs> was, a bunch of dolphins. Wrong with was, was this off the books or no? On the, this books. Was on the books. On the books in the seventies, they gave a bunch of dolphins like LSD on this um, island. Hey there, my name is Ethan, and wherever you manage to wander in from, you're with us in the shop now. Welcome to Sips and Cliffs, where a podcast centered around creativity, exploring that concept through great conversations with brand creators, business owners, and others with a story to tell. My co-host Robin and I serve some fresh coffee and cut the hair of our guests out of McLaren Barbers in downtown Stockholm, Sweden. This time in the shop, we chatted with Hampus and Huye, founders of an experimental community center of sorts called Blivande. Blivande means becoming, and that's exactly what their creative hub is constantly doing. Simply stated, their space is comprised of a house serving as a co-working, workshop, and event space alongside a plethora of well-worn shipping containers set in the industrial square outside. Inside these refurbished containers are art galleries, venues, kitchens, and even a secret experience that I'm not allowed to talk about among even more that's to be discovered. I'm not really good at describing what Blavande truly is, but all I know is I can promise you've never seen something quite like this concept and experience, and that's simply because there's nothing out there quite like it. To say more would be spoiling the story, so I'll let Hampus and Huye tell it. Snag yourself a steaming cup of joe and lean back as we enter into this savory episode of Sips and Clips with Blivande. All right. Should we start with an essential part of the podcast? We should start with the most essential part. That we always, that we tend to forget. This podcast is called Sips and Clips, you know? So the clips is for the hair, obviously. And the sips is because we serve all our guests coffee. Do you like coffee, both of you? I, I, I do, yeah. Please yeah, say yeah. Uh, I have to admit that I actually don't drink coffee. <laughs> Can but I get uh, you a cup of water? Please let me get yeah, you a cup water. of water. All right, all right, good. That's, that's at least... You need to have something to sip on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm <laughs> if you're wrong otherwise, I guess we should have a backup drink. Allow me to... I mean, tea is pretty... Tea is universal. good stuff. You're right. Here's some for you. Thank you very much. Enjoy this. I, uh, I read recently that the, there are two ways Generation Z identifies millennials. Okay. It's an obsession with coffee and the crying face emoji. <laughs> they're, they're like crying smile. Yeah. That's apparently right. the way they call us boomers. It's, it's the, really? the crying smile emoji is just old people that use it. At this point. <laughs> What's real old people using? That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of try to withhold myself from using it because I'm, I'm getting that vibe a little bit. It, it's not as well received as it used to be, mm. the crying smile. No, you know? it's how to say they. So, your name, your Hampus, and yes. one more time, what's your name? Huye. And it's spelled Hoogie and pronounced Huye. It's a bit complicated. It's an incredible name. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to say it right during this hour, but... You say it, you say it the way everyone does, which is Huye. everyone has a, their Huye. own twist Huye. to it. Huye. Huye. Love it. Huye. 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 Yeah, Huye. That's It's kind of like, Huye, you know? Huye. <laughs> exactly. I get sick. All right, good name, good name. Awesome. Let me know. Just and never I, never call him Huggy, then you're in trouble. Huggy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, I appreciate you letting me know. <laughs> And you guys work at a place called the Blivande. That's it. 
What is Blivande in your own words? Because we have tried to steer away from knowing too much about it. We mm. like to find out ourselves. What is Blivande? It's um, it's a creative hub. It's a I love that cultural hub. It's an ecosystem of. of different things coexisting. Yeah. I, I think it's hard to talk about because we know what we want it to be, and right. we could explain uh, what we want it to grow into, or we can explain what it is exactly right now. Correct. If we explain exactly what it is right now, it's, um, it's a co-working space and art workshops and an event space and a bunch of colorful containers with art in them uh, <laughs> out in the parking lot. That makes me happy. And it is also about 300-ish people, depending on how you count. 300-ish uh, people working there or like... No, but because this is the thing, they are invested in, you know, very varying degrees. Um, right. Some might just be members and actually never really come there, maybe come there once a year or something. Right. Um, others are there every day. So, and others have their place of work there, whereas uh, someone else might just come there for like one workshop uh, a year. So it's this space and you can become a member like of it, basically. You can become a member um, and you can also engage with it actually without being a member because okay. you can come to Friamstor at any time. It's a public place. Right. Um, so you can come there and skateboard or take photos or do whatever you want to do in a public place. Hang yeah. out. Yeah. Go to an exhibition. Today, actually, just before coming here, there was, I met uh, an older couple in their sort of plus 60s, yes. almost 70, and they, they were super excited having just visited the, one of my members is currently exhibiting. Uh, an architectural exhibition okay. in the gallery, and they were—they had heard not, someone told them about what we do, and the the, the it was a couple, and the woman was um, very uh, much into textile work and also concrete, and she dreamt about attending a welding course and like basically all of those things are provided for us there. So that's that awesome. Super excited. That's that's very cool. So you guys both founded it then, you two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we found it and very early on we, we brought on uh, other co-founders as well. Right, right. So, so from the start, um, we've been trying to build it in such a way that it, you know, yes, of course, as a founder, it is dependent on you in the beginning. Right. But unless you start steering away from that from the start, um, you're going to get stuck in it and it's not going to really you know, survive the dependency on you. So, so from the start, we've been like trying to get out of the way. But of course, it's it's sort of hard because you don't want to get out of the way of the fun stuff. No. But the fun stuff is also the stuff that you can actually motivate someone else to do. All right. So, <laughs> isn't so, it? It's a dilemma. It's a dilemma. It's a catch twenty two. But right. It's sort of um, yeah. You got to find a way to strike that balance if you want something to outlive you. You know. Correct. What was the original idea when you started this thing? What was it like? You wanted this to become, or wanted this to be. Yeah, I guess we got to go back to Nuba and Hoppus. Do you want to? Yeah. So, in 2015, uh, I founded uh, a cultural association. Okay. Which, uh, yeah, basically Nuba and, and it. At that point, um, we were a bunch of people had been talking, philosophizing in sort of Facebook group. It was quite a virtual thing. But uh, it was around values such as co-creation that, uh, and sort of also reinventing spirituality in, in sort mm -hmm. of a modern day age, like uh, creating meaning for people. How can we mm -hmm. um, sort of, it's coming from the idea of uh, relationships being very uh, primary. Right, that sort of very cool. 
and we wanted to have a physical place in Stockholm where we could literally build relationships. Just like a community center. Yeah, a community center in a sense. And um, we had an amazing opportunity to, to do that uh, as we got uh, a sort of once in a lifetime contract that's not really supposed to happen in Stockholm, but we, we got a, a, a deal with the, with the real estate company that, that we could rent uh, a whole floor of a sort of a derelict, no, not derelict, literally, but like an abandoned office building, basically that was a, that was scheduled for destruction <laughs> a few years later. But we, we got to use that um, and and only pay basically three thousand francs per month. Yeah, so that was the, 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 the starting six hundred square meters. Six hundred square, square, square meters and three thousand francs a month. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. But it was also something where they. You know, they they told us that this might just be for one year or sure, two years, sure, sure. and it sort of got extended. So we were there for three years. In the no, end. no, in the end it was more than four years. That's yeah. In this one old kind of abandoned building. Yeah, yeah and this is right next to Satan's Democracy, South South Okay, that, I, I don't know. It's an immersive theater. Okay, immersive theater, and then also Nobelberg, which was the yeah. club. Yeah. You might have heard of it. Okay, so we were part of that whole. Sort of cluster of things happening. So you had this abandoned building, this this big floor, basically to make your own creative space and do whatever you wanted. It was, I mean, it was basically a, a squat, but we weren't squatting it. Right. But, yes. You know, I mean, but <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Actually, it, we it would be good if there were buildings that you could actually squat in Stockholm, but right, you, right. we get that gets addressed pretty quickly here. But no, I, I mean, it was this this old place, but we knew it was going to get torn down, and uh, we knew that once it gets torn down. We're gonna have to find another place, and we're not going to find something like this again. Right. That's basically right. free. Yeah. So See, that's quite a fast forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'll just mention quickly that I mean, we basically this became a place where hundreds of people um, each week came to participate in basically workshops okay. that members of this association took the initiative to host. Right. So sort of as a based on an each one teach one kind of philosophy. Right. So you and never know was what non-profit. Everything was non-profit and this sort of grew over the years from just a few people in the beginning to a couple hundred people paying um, 100 kroners per month Nothing. in a sort of membership fee to have right. access to the space. And so it was pretty free with what could happen, like what kind of workshop there would be. There was no restrictions, like you never know what would happen. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Um, so this then, ended at some point like we, we we were counting on getting two years we got four years but we always knew that that it was a time limited thing right and we wanted to think ahead and plan for the future otherwise we knew that once the, this contract ends and again it was Total. a once in a lifetime thing uh it's gonna it's gonna die out basically. right okay so, really interesting that you had that opportunity so a couple of years before we had to move out um we created this association and came up with a plan that we wanted to save money basically each month. So we rented out this old place, Norden, to parties and so on. And it became quite an established sort of uh, um, place for raves and other events. Sure. And then after four years, we were sitting with 700,000 kroners on our bank account. Just from this place that yeah, you made? Yeah, exactly. Wow. Um, and that was then used as part of the sort of starting capital to then take the next step. And that next step is where you're at now. Exactly. Where are you now? I know you said it's in Frihamn's Target? Or where, where is it? We are in Frihamnen. Frihamnen. So okay, okay, okay. I don't know, you might want to explain that. You, you have a bunch of shipping containers and things that we've seen. What, what's up with that? What is this space now? 
Well, it is a thousand square meter, uh, hundred year old wooden building. Okay. That's, and you bought this building? No, no, no. We're renting it. Renting it, sure. So, um, uh, we're renting this building, uh, but lately, so, so um, in 2019, we, uh, we, we started this in late 2018. Yeah. And towards mid 2019, we got the opportunity to expand and also rent part of a parking space. Parking outside. space, yeah. Okay. So that's where we have this Freehams Toy, which is the container based. Did the containers come with it, like all these shipping containers, or no? Did you buy them separately? No, no, we, we bought them and we refurbished them, you know, decorated, have artists, they're painting them and so on. They're all individually yeah, yeah. customized. Right, okay. That's epic. That's a huge space. I haven't really heard of a space like that in Stockholm before. It sounds very unique. No, yeah, and I would like to tie back with, I mean, you mentioned in the beginning the ecosystem. I think yeah. that's a very fitting description for what we're sure. trying to do. It's sort of with Blivander, we want to literally create an ecosystem where different niches sort of, you know, uh, we have people with different backgrounds. Correct. That could be the equivalent of different species, you know. They're, they're <laughs> yeah, all yeah. swimming around this sort of barrier reef that, that provides us with the sort of ecosystem services that allows, allows us to thrive. In Correct. Place. So this it's, it's, it's an economy in a way. It's a, it's a you know, container, not only literally, but like also in terms of, um, yeah, providing a place where we can work, we can create together, we can collaborate right. in different ways. And if you ask 50 people what was Bivan, they probably have close to 50 different answers. Right. Some people come there for the parties only, or some people come there for, for the parties and the co-working, others come there only for the, the makerspace or the, the collective work. Bivan is what so. you make it, you know? For yeah, each person. In a sense. For each person. It's very broad and yes. we want to keep it that way. We want to keep it as a sort of um, almost a public good, like an infrastructure, uh, a commons, uh, that then other things can arise out from. Right. That's awesome. It sounds like an incredibly inspiring space to be in when you're around that many creative people doing different things. Yeah, I would say so. I'm obviously quite biased, but we do have, <laughs> we do have a lot of members that give witness to the, the, I mean, transformational is a pretty strong and often overused word, but I would say it is a, really has that potential for a lot of people. Right. Uh, and you can sort of also trace that quite literally when you, for example, if you follow someone, this is a, both a very scary and, and a quite interesting um, Give it to us. Uh, aspect of social media and social media yeah, and so on. Yeah. But like, you, for, through Facebook and shared friends, uh, many times you can you can follow someone's sort of journey through this community. Right. They might have recently moved to Stockholm from another country. They have very little in terms of network here, friends, yeah. and so on. Uh, they might only have like sort of their workplace or their boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever made them come here or whatever. Like, sure. That's like sort of their starting point when when they drop by for for whatever reason. Correct. They go, they attend a workshop or like they come to a party or something. Yeah. And then sort of they get entangled in this ecosystem and they hear, learn more and more about it. They come back and they, and you know, they, like we, we arrange a lot of festivals as, a, as well. Like music festivals and things yeah, like that. Yeah, mm, um, participatory festivals. Yeah. Um, exactly. um, so basically like following uh, an individual over say six months. Yeah. Going from having zero friends in common, I, I'll, I'll notice that we suddenly have 50 or 100 friends in common. <laughs> they might have met their new partner. Right. 
at one of these events, or and they might have even found a new job or a new place to stay, or whatever. Yes, like it's right, really right. quite a a community. It's a very strong community, but it's sort of this sort of integration machine that is is quite rare in Stockholm. And Stockholm being a quite segregated city and cold in a sense, you know. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, psychologically speaking, um, you don't see a lot like what you guys have managed to create. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I think there's also a, a, a reason for that in the sense that for some reason in, in Sweden and in Stockholm, um, culture and arts and the rest of society have sort of been apart um, for, for some reason that is, is quite a mystery to me. We, I okay. mean, we, have, we have this you know, idea in Swedish with this word, kulturarbetare, mm -hmm. and it almost being you know, its, its own world within which you know, you, it's a, a world that is trying to protect itself from uh, even though also the damaging influences of, of uh, market economy and, correct, and correct. that sort of stuff. Okay. But um, with that, it's also a world that is very protective of the resources that are be, have been pushed towards it traditionally, which compared to a lot of other European countries and most other countries in the world are quite vast. You know, the, okay. the, the cultural funding, although it's criticized in Sweden as, you know, compared to other, many other countries, uh, very large. All right. But it, it does create sort of a, um, a dependency on the, the granting machinery. Right. Be, because you, you try to fit into the uh, to the molds that the granting machinery sort of requires of you in order to be able to be a cultural player that gets grants and hence survives. Sure. So all these places are really adapted around that model and we knew that we didn't want to do that. We no. need to be self-sufficient and then we do also apply for culture grants and art grants but we do sure. that to expand not to survive. Right, I get it. Um, awesome. So that, that was important to us to stay independent. Yeah, really special. And I saw on your guys' Instagram bio now, that it says cultural center focused on building creative communities based on principles of collaboration, participation, and generosity. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. So, so the idea with that, if we can go into one of these terms uh, that we use, is just microsolidarity. Okay. Uh, what do you mean by microsolidarity? So, so what we mean with that is that by small actions with each other, small actions of solidarity with each other and other people who come um, just to, to see if they can join this network or this Correct. hub. And by helping people generously, um, we can create something that's you know, bigger than the sum of its parts. And what this means in practice is that we try to encourage people to start you know, giving away their ideas, being generous with their time, being generous with uh, the help they can offer to others. Correct. Because when you start offering that sort of thing a bit more playfully without any stakes being in it, right. before you know it, uh, you might have started a company with someone. <laughs> and you might be actually starting to make a living for yourself with someone who you never thought you'd be working with before. No, I love that. And, uh, and we've seen that happen um, uh, now a few times. And uh, it's very encouraging to, to see people be able to uh, both you know, work in the creative sector, but also start to make a living for themselves because they find that if you, if they can complement each other in a way that makes it also possible to live right. on it. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Very, very interesting. I would say another way to describe it is, or it's to use the um, comparison or the difference um, between uh, traditional village life and and urban life in a mm -hmm. large city. Right. Whereas, and what we're trying to do is basically 
get nurture the best of both worlds and combine them into one community. Okay. So whereas you in the village, I mean, I, at least in the we're talking about the traditional kind of village sense. Oh yeah, in the literary sense, like like sort of the, the ideal sort of the archetype of the village where people collaborate. I know it's not always the case no. in practice anymore because, because people nowadays are not as dependent on each other. Correct. But historically, like you had to cooperate in a village to survive and we, you had this very trust-based, uh, people sort of stepped up for each other when needed and so on and so forth. That's right. like a very strong um, positive aspect of village life. Yeah. Then that comes with negative aspects, of course, like cultural isolation, uh, um, conformism and, and so on and so forth, so forth and those are reasons why you might want to move to a city for example um, but this, the, the downside then with the city is alienation and not having this trust not trusting your neighbor not sort of being able right. to share these things it's kind of cool so what we're trying to do in a sense is to create an urban village where we we can still be in the city and access the, the sort of multitude of culture and, and so on that we have here and the economical opportunities but at the same time have this community uh, of sort of you know neighbors so to speak like correct people that you collaborate with on a, on a daily or weekly basis and I love this here really trust right so we and Blivande is our sort of congregation home or whatever <laughs> like like you know, where the, the, the local pub, your village, the village pub, or whatever, the village pub, wherever people meet, on but, a large but, scale. but then, you know, it's now not just a pub, it's not merely, or not merely, but it's not only a social place, but we also, it's a place of work and so on, like, we, right, right, exactly, you know, people are going to stop saying it takes a village and start saying it takes a Blivande. <laughs> well, believe on that means. Uh, what does it mean? I, I well, actually no idea. It means becoming. Becoming. Okay, in Swedish. So yeah, it means it's it's something that is in the state of becoming. Right. I love uh, that. Becoming. And and. Uh, Was that the name since the beginning? Since it's always been this becoming thing. Well, it, it's since we started this iteration of it. It is the name, but yes. and it, before that it was Nuden, which. Nuden now being an association that lives within the walls of, of Blivande. Okay. Um, but really both of the, the principles behind Nuden and the principles behind Blivande, this really comes from process philosophy. Right. Uh, the, the ideas of the relational self and of their everything being really in a state of transition and flux. Okay. So um, I'd, I'd say for me, um, yeah, process philosophy and, and philosophers like Whitehead or Karen Barrett, they're really influential in actually how we think about these things. Also, practically, it might sound extremely pretentious, and mm -hmm. that's because it is, but it's, <laughs> it, it's also true, um, actually. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, like, uh, Jean Deleuze and, and Guattari's uh, ideas of the rhizome and that sort of stuff is very, very much influencing what we're doing. Right, that's awesome. Yeah, in a sense, it's like you can condense it to sort of like, you become who you hang out with in a sense. Yeah. yeah. And, and you are who you surround yourself with, man. That, yeah. that was a big idea behind this podcast for us. We were really interested in meeting creative people. We love creative people and wanted to kind of see what happens. So, hey, I get it, man. That's awesome. You are who you hang out with. Who are some, or go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, there's, there's also a, quite a strong overlap between Blivande and, and, and the the Swedish and also sort of Nordic um, uh, scene or community around the Borland, which is uh, an event that 
Queen I and many others involved with Lehman have been part of Correct. the founding and sort of building over the last 10 years. Right. So that, that's also a major source of, sort of inspiration in terms of what we can do in governance models, for example, how we can make decisions in a community. Right. And so we're experimenting with, with those aspects as well. Give me a quick visual tour of some of the people that you have working inside of your, your containers in Vivande. Who are, who are some people that inhabit those? Or some kind of projects? Hmm? You want to go ahead? Sure. Describe um, okay, it. Walk me so, through. We've never been. So when you first, when you walk towards Vivande, the first thing you're going to see probably as you come from the bus stop is the colorful containers of Vivande. Yeah. And as you pass those, the first thing you're going to notice is a uh, tall structure of three containers, like a tower, right. and a little tree coming out of uh, a cutout hole in one of those containers. You're right. And um, beautiful. That container is actually filled with soil, and there are trees planted in it That's uh, awesome. that are, are going to grow out of it. Right. And below that container, in the levels below, there's. Um, something called the secret experience and uh, what that is i want to go to the ruining, experience so by your no, yeah no that, no but i'm really saying it's, it's just the secret experience it's, it's uh, <laughs> i know it's, yeah no, I'm, I'm i'm not going to ruin what the secret experience well, is well we have but, to come try it but, but yeah let, let's just say that if you uh look for an online secret experience believe on that you might might find out i i don't want to find out we won't until we come to see the secret <laughs> experience ourselves. i wouldn't ruin it like that well you, you won't find out online anyway no, so no, no, you'll, no, you'll no. decide on how to approach it right okay. um, but but that's a project run by by bob and nina who are, who are um, amazing um, so they just showed up and said they wanted to put this kind of secret experience into Bolivande. Yeah, yeah. Why pretty not? much. I mean, we know them from from our community of, of making these festivals from from the past. So right. um, we knew what they were doing, and they knew about us, of course. So it's about it's an approaching, and they were part of the Believe on the community even before they they joined and did this. Correct. Um, and then um, if you um, just take a step around the corner from, from their containers, uh, you're going to see a um, blue container that's painted in with uh, motifs of mountains. And okay. that's actually the headquarters of Port La Vies, which is a um, plumbing company. <laughs> Why so not? There's a plumber there called Tiro, yeah. who, uh, who has his plumbing company there, but he's also using that container to um, build a roof that could go over a stage that we're going to do for uh, music later. Okay, okay. So he's sort of, uh, you know, double purposing his container as a backdrop for a music stage and being the uh, container for his plumbing company. Resident genius, man. That's exactly, epic. Exactly, yeah. That's epic. Next to that is uh, four containers stacked in a cube. Yeah. Um, that say BAM, and that's another. Um, <laughs> Simple. Um, Right now, quite arcane-looking structure that you won't really know what it's going to be until it's done. But let's just say that there's a door, yeah. and through that door, there's going to be some some very interesting things once it opens up. It's it's going to be an experience in and of itself. The secret and you experience might, too. You might notice the car on the. Right, you'll notice the uh, the black van with the backwards flames <laughs> backwards <laughs> flames yeah the dude who, who painted it he uh, he's he's a genius a fantastic guy <laughs> uh simon sia the quist uh, is a member of the space a photographer and artist yeah and he painted his van and not until he had finished painting his van and got in it did he notice that he painted the the flames in the wrong direction 
So no. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, so now he only drives in reverse. <laughs> so his his van with the backward flames is standing on top of his four containers now. But it's uh, how to get it up there? A crane with a crane? Yeah, yeah, of course. Why not? And they want to eventually make it into an Airbnb so you could rent it. That's and awesome. Have, have this sort of one person playing all the roles of a sort of a hotel staff. Right. Just changing hats and like you'll be able to get a little breakfast in the morning. I'd stay. I'd book a time right now. And if you uh, if you're standing there and you look behind you, what you're going to see is a yellow container <coughs> that says gallery. Yeah. And we have a, a gallery there called Gallery Fiancoria. Right. And um, the plan is and actually your first exhibition is happening second exhibition is happening there right now by resident architect and builder, Annie Lockshear. Right. And she's exhibiting her PhD work from KDH Architecture on um, how to do folded and wavy concrete um, architecture. Very interesting, okay. And um, then if you keep on walking across the yard, you're gonna get to um, Toby's Containers, and he has a company called KI Metal Solutions. Toby sounds hardcore. Toby is hardcore. Toby is a German from Stuttgart. But is he from Stuttgart, right? Yeah. 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 So uh, he is his uh, metalwork company uh, at Lilande, and he, he does industrial metalwork like for bridges. He's worked on Slussen, he's Dang. worked on all sorts of stuff. Right, right. And he also, uh, you know, he's, he's part of the community, he does a lot of art um, together with uh, Annie Locke and uh, his friend uh, Manu, who, okay. who has also moved here from Germany now. Um, who's a carpenter and uh, also is working in metalworking. And Manu, because this becomes a good segue, Manu is a carpenter, works with Toby on the in the metal workshop, but Manu is also a, uh, what, do you, what do we say, like a healer? Yeah, uh, good into meditation and... Uh, yeah, sure. So he's, he's a, like a energetic healer, meditation uh, facilitator, uh, slash carpenter, slash metalworker. Uh, hey, what slash a slash. Yeah. <laughs> he said... Wait, you missed one slash. Slash metal guitarist. Slash metal oh, metalworker and metal guitarist? <laughs> this sounds like a guy I want to hang out with. Yeah. You know, he's, he's dipped his feet into a lot of different doors. Yeah, That's awesome. He can also help you when, you, you know, your life is stressful and you need to uh, chill out a little bit. And, do some meditation. Because life is boring whenever you only do one thing, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Actually, also, in, uh, we need to mention that Theodore also has built a, a sauna. Yes, right. So they, they're all three of, they just inaugurated it uh, like two weeks ago. So. Is it open now? It's, well, it's sort of open by appointment, but, yeah, but yeah, they've cool. built it and it's basically finished with just minor sort of aesthetic details I've been, left on it. Uh, I've we, we were thinking of how we're going to build a shower right. and so there's other aspects to it. But, but basically, they, it, it works. They got it up to 80 plus degrees, so it's like what we're going to ask for. I've so been saying for weeks that I need a good sauna. It's been a while since yeah, I've been so, in one. So we have one. It's the middle of winter, you know? That's awesome. Well, I love a good visual tour. That was really good. I'm a very visual person, so I can kind of now put together this crazy, colorful community of, of awesome people. Good. But and the secret experience, or the secret, uh, yeah. yeah, the secret experience. Did we miss anyone on this? Uh, not so much. Hey, it's a good chunk. By it's the good. square, yeah. I would say. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. but then, uh, then moving into the building, there's, of course, a, a number of... Yeah, this is, yeah. this is the square, and then there's the building. That's just the square, and you have a whole yeah. building as well. That's incredible. Yeah. So basically, the building has a co-working space that we call Studio Beta, which is on the second floor, a smaller, uh, like 300 square meters. And then um, 
out of a total of 900. And correct, correct. Okay. Then on the, the, the ground floor, um, that's divided into three um, yeah. public rooms uh, that it's also used for, that the node uses for their workshop in the evenings normally when there's no corona. Okay. And uh, then there's a, the studio tower, which is a collective workspace, right. makerspace, uh, where different artists then pay a membership of 800 kroner per month to get sort of 24 7 access to this space where they can create and epic yeah a little bit of everything so there there you have different rooms for different techniques and machines right epic. Um, and yeah there's a i mean i would say speaking about one common one commonality whatever with among the members i would say like we, we really have a lot of international people like, like i love that we we didn't really explicitly like Norden was a lot like that as well, so we already had that going in one sense, but we, I would, I would say we didn't really explicitly plan for that or... No. But the fact that we had that sort of momentum already established with the node, and the fact that we use English as sort of a working language in many ways. It's all working. Uh, yeah, like our forums, everything, all the official, like all the communication basically is in English. Um, of course, that sort of is very welcoming, enables people to, to participate on equal terms. Correct. Uh, even if you don't know Swedish. And so that has been, and then it's, there's this sort of feedback loop of, you know, uh, you attract more of the same in a sense. So yeah, of course. So, so people coming to Stockholm without a network. Uh, so Can get connected into yeah. a huge network. And we are extremely sort of generous with, with sort of we're, we're enabling people yeah. in many ways. So sort of we're trying to weave this this uh, web of, of relationships and Correct. opportunities and we always try to actively do that. Right, right. I love it. I want to segue quickly into a segment we actually have on this podcast. And this segment is called 10 Timed Questions from Left Field that have absolutely nothing to do with the current topic of conversation. 10 Timed Questions from Left Field that have absolutely nothing to do with the current topic of conversation. Fun. So, I'm going to give you five questions. No, Robin's going to give you five questions. I'm going to give you five questions, and you have ten seconds to answer each one. So it's the first thing that comes into your mind, you know? We're going to really get to know you, and you're going to get to know yourself a little bit better over the next 100 seconds, I guess. Is it ten seconds to complete the full answer, or ten seconds to initiate? ten seconds to complete the full answer. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, there's no point in waiting. This is is happening now. We're getting rolling. You ready? You ready for the time of your life? All right, question one, here we go. What's the best museum you ever visited? 10 seconds. Exploratorium in San Francisco. Oh, quick answer, I love it. Number two, if you could only listen to metal music or jazz for the rest of your life, which would you choose and why? Perfect. Jazz, absolutely. Uh, for why? It's Seven seconds. just more acceptable, sort of, if it's the only thing I'm gonna listen to, then for sure. I mean, it depends on what jazz, though. Time out, time out, <laughs> hey, we can't talk about that, that's why we only have 10 seconds. All right, number three. What artist is your biggest dream to host at Blivande? Perfect. Sorry, what artist? Yeah, what artist? Do you have like a famous artist? Or what kind of artist, I guess, we can change that question uh, to. Four seconds. Okay, Ula Furelia is an artist. Okay, okay, hey, you said something at least. Number four, what's your 10 second opinion on Shia LaBeouf? You know who Shia LaBeouf is? I have no idea who that is. You don't know who Shia LaBeouf is? 
All right, I gotta change this yeah, question. Yeah, know. You know who Shia LaBeouf is? Yeah, he's not what talking about. Oh! <laughs> Wait, that wasn't a question for you. I actually asked Robin before this if he knew who Shia LaBeouf I have was, no idea, and he yeah. didn't. I guess he's like an American. I don't know. He's an American standard. Oh, okay. No, I actually do know who it is. I just the, the spelling. Like an actor. S H I A. Yeah, exactly. Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Do you know enough about him to answer that question? I think I know what he looks like. That's it. That's it. All right, yeah. should we change it? I feel like we should change this to, to someone else. Because this, this is going to change into something big here. Okay. What's your 10 second opinion? You know who Hulk Hogan is? Yeah. All right, okay, we'll put him in. <laughs> What's yeah. your 10 second opinion on Hulk Hogan? Go! He seems to be this massive asshole. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm not so uh, well read about the subject, but he's initiated this sort of... 10 seconds is up! <laughs> I just know him for his handle more often than I should say. Hell yeah! No, okay, so it's about this, uh, he sort of sued some company for like uh, IP or something. There was this free speech kind of thing that is based on Hulk Hogan. Let's talk about this after. Let's talk about this after. We don't have time. The yeah. clock is ticking okay. and I'm sweating. This is the last question you have. <laughs> Out of your five. All right, okay. You walk into Blivande one dark winter evening. The ground is covered in snow, and it's so blistering cold that you can see the breath coming out of your mouth as you breathe. Suddenly, out of nowhere, you spot him. It's Hulk Hogan. He leaps at you, machete in hand, but you're quicker than him. You counter his strike with a pipe you pick up that was leaning against the wall next to you. This battle ensues for some time, and eventually, exasperated, the two of you at a stalemate, standing in the center of the community center you worked so hard to build up, he looks you in the eyes and says, I'm your father. You begin to cry as you lunge at him and try to finish this fight once and for all. Would you be able to kill Hulk Hogan if he was your father? 10 seconds. Absolutely. <laughs> great answer, great answer. <laughs> yeah. okay. Well, that was your last question. is something you everyone needs to do or something. I was hoping that you knew who Shia LaBeouf is and you'd be tortured. If Shia LaBeouf was your dad, would you be able to kill him? But Hulk Hogan, you already, you already didn't like that. I think I'm older than... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to switch over. That was you a great answer. your phone, though. Yeah, yeah, you do. You do. Okay, first question. James Bond or you're in English? James Bond. Wrong answer, but still okay. <laughs> okay, next question. What's something that makes a good workspace? Um, both social and access to a lot of privacy and colorful and good music when you want it. That was an excellent answer in 10 seconds. There's a lot going on there. Okay, next awesome. question. Would you ever milk a cow and drink the milk straight from the other? Yeah, sure. Is it Reasonably healthy looking cow. <laughs> I'm not a cow. <laughs> Depends on the cow, great answer. Yeah. <laughs> That's not black or white. You've done it? In the Amazon, in my stomach has, hasn't recovered yet. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you, you don't want to do it on these industrial cows. I mean, they, you know, don't get into that. Don't get industrial cows. Yeah. We gotta keep okay, going. That's the hard thing. thing. That's the hard thing. What is the single greatest movie of all time? Fantastic. Do that in 10 Come on, man! You have to pick uh, something. Five seconds That's the whole Four, point. Three, two. Holy Mountain. Whatever. I don't even know what Holy Mountain is. Well, no, 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 the next question. Next question. Okay, last question. last question. Scientists believe that dolphins give themselves names. A dolphin will use a custom set of whistles to refer to himself. Researchers have been able to mimic these sounds using computers and observe the dolphins responding to their own names and those uh, of their pod names. 
What would you give? What name would you give yourself if you could choose your name? Peter. Peter. Peter the dolphin. It's a famous dolphin. He it was the first dolphin that humans tried to make talk human language. So he knows about dolphins. <laughs> this guy's a dolphin expert. <laughs> so you would choose the name Peter for yourself. Peter the dolphin. Yeah. Tagging seconds is up, and we have finished the segment. So now we can talk all about dolphins. <laughs> dolphins and Hulk Hogan. Dolphins and Hulk Hogan, man. What a what a segment. What some those are some beautiful answers, actually. Man, I hope Hulk Hogan listens to this podcast and knows that he has a, a straight shooter out there who's willing to machete him. I think at the time I was the one with the pipe. Yeah, yeah, actually, you're right. He had the machete. You had the pipe. What's worse, a death by machete or a death by pipe? Depending who's Depends holding who's it. Holding it. Maybe. Anything can be a weapon if you're holding it right, but what's worse? I don't know. Machete Lodging damage quit. or cutting damage. Yeah. I think I'd rather be... Be beaten a submission, I feel like, by the pipe. Really? I mean, he'd go quicker with a machete. He'd go quicker, though, if you just. Yeah. I mean, if it depends how hard someone's swinging. And where they swing. Well, where well swing. exactly. It depends on where he goes first. Like with a pipe, they can break your knees, your elbows, and then just like break your ribs, and then after a while. Well, this took I said what I said. <laughs> I, said I, like, I, said. I like the dolphin conversation better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Peter the Dolphin? I, why haven't I heard of Peter the Dolphin? Well, well Peter the Dolphin was um, the first dolphin, though. With, they tried to teach human language uh, under the influence of LSD. So Wait, wait, they gave Peter the Dolphin LSD? Correct. They gave, they gave <laughs> was, a bunch of what dolphins. Is wrong with was, was this off the books? Or no, on the, books, on, the books. on the books in the 70s. They gave a bunch of dolphins like LSD on this um, island, and um, they had a 19-year-old girl live with Peter the Dolphin in an apartment, semi-submerged in water, uh, so she could teach him how to speak human language. It did not go very well. I was going to say, <laughs> is there a happy ending? No, there, well, funny you should say that, because... <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> the, the problem that ended the experiment was that Peter the Dolphin was a very horny dolphin. No! Yes. I was going to say that again. Yeah. That was the problem. So he was a teenage dolphin, and eventually this young woman figured that the only way to get on with the lessons no. was... No. well. No. Yeah, was she on LSD? She was not on LSD. No, in fact, and the fa fact is that she was a good friend of Peter's, of course, and insisted that they would not give Peter LSD. I misremembered that. They gave all the other dolphins LSD, but Peter, um, Peter was spared. Peter did not take LSD. No, Peter was He was, was just a horny dolphin. He was just a very horny that was, teenage dolphin. That was his glitch. Yeah. Dang. I mean, they've trained dolphins to do all kinds of... Of course, of course. They, they were going to use them to plant mines on... Uh, Enemy ships, for example, in the navy, there's a lot of military research on that. That's wild. And then, or, or to uh, attack, you know, enemy scuba divers around military bases and harbors and so on. With so they would have a, a thing mounted on their nose with an inject, like basically a needle uh, with a poison. They would do. They would like stick the the enemy diver with that. Exactly. Underwater. It's a bunch of. Man, if World War III happens, I can see some pretty in intense dolphin warfare coming back. You know, why not? I think they might skip the dolphins if you go straight for the drones, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier to control. I, I guess that, I just had high hopes. That's a very bad B-movie wing. Dolphin versus drones. <laughs> if they can do Sharknado, man, they can do anything. Yeah. You know? yeah, and if they can do Sharknado 7, then... Yeah. Then they can do at least one dolphin versus drones. <laughs> 
I never. I, I'm actually going to look into Peter the Dolphin after this. I'm yeah, really intrigued. You should. If there's a book or a movie or well, a documentary. I'm trying to figure. I, I usually. I, it's like at the back of my mind, but uh, I'm trying to remember. Do you remember who you like the name of this? The main dolphin researcher of the 60s that was very psychedelic things. No, it's this guy. It's the same guy that I'm talking about, but I don't remember his yeah, name. Yeah, I'm trying to remember his name. Yeah. But he was. He's quite an interesting character. I bet. You have to be if you're going to give if, if freaking seen, LSD uh, to dolphins. If you've seen a movie called Altered States, which is kind of like a classic from the 80s. I've heard of it, I haven't seen it. Sort of science fiction. It was, I think it was the first movie that featured time lapse photography and stuff. Okay. But uh, it's, uh, it's well worth a, a read, but it's about. Um, um, sensory deprivation tanks mm. and people uh, going in them sort of trans it has this whole science fiction story that right. enters DNA and they become this sort of hominid monkey that runs around in Central Park whatever but it's a long story but <laughs> but uh, basically he this same guy invented uh, these flotation tanks right. and he spent excessive amounts of time in them he even you know custom built them so he could be in them for days on end so they, they could like filter out his or feces and so on. Beautiful. Yeah, not good to go into too much detail, but uh, <laughs> yeah, like, well, like we, yeah, yeah, well, like just, we didn't go into too guess. much already. But, yeah, I guess it. Happens off the books. But he, uh, I mean, he also <laughs> took uh, huge amounts of psychedelics in these um, these tanks. tanks yeah. Right. But he was also the, one of the main dolphin researchers. Really, he wrote a couple of interesting books as well, Central to Cyclone and so on. But yeah. So a lot of into metaprogramming, how you can sort of reprogram your own brain. You kind of have to be an intriguing fellow to be a dolphin researcher, I, f I feel like, as well, actually. Yeah, it's quite annoying that I can't remember his name. He, he was, yeah. He's one of those 60s psychedelic pioneers, but I can't remember. Now the question is, do you have to be more uh, of an interesting character to research dolphins and give your life to that, or more of an interesting character to rent an abandoned floor of a... Uh, of a derelict building and start something like Levande. That's the question. Yeah, that's a good question. Well, it's, it's a comparison only time can tell. Yeah, I mean, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd say there is, there is a part of that question, which is, um, of course, you know, what, what we're doing um, has some parallels to the counterculture movement of the late 60s and 70s. How so? Um, well, the, the parallels are really that, you know, you're trying to create something outside of um, the established system and you're right. trying to create something that uh, could usher in some new paradigm of doing things. Right, 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 I guess. But, I, but I think that the, the generation that is doing it now has learned from, hopefully, I really hope so, of sort of the naivete and to some aspects narcissism of, of that generation. Because sure. guys like that, for example, Genius is to some regard, but also incredibly self-obsessed and have no way of getting themselves out of the way. Right. So a lot of these amazing projects, they broke down because somebody couldn't get out of the guru role and didn't really want to. Right. Okay. And uh, that sort of ate everything up from the inside. And I mean, that's what crushed the whole hippie movement. That's, I, I would say that it was this... What movement? The hippie movement, oh, the yeah, counterculture yeah, sure. hippie yeah, movement exactly. of 1968 and, and, and a few years later. What, what crushed it was, you know, narcissism fueled by psychedelics. It's not a good mix. You don't necessarily <laughs> always become very selfless. You can become very self-obsessed. Right, right. Interesting, you're right. What do you think the biggest thing or something you guys are doing that's kind of counterculture, the, the most important thing to keep the movement alive is? I, what, what inspires you guys to keep going and to keep uh, pioneering and breaking ground in what you do? 
to to me it's new ways to work collectively collective action mm-hmm. and and uh, a, a way for people to organize themselves in a collective and being tied to each other and relying on each other mm-hmm. without that becoming this sort of suffocating consensus culture where everyone has to agree on everything mm-hmm. that that's really the thing that I think I would like us to pioneer in a way very cool right yeah I would agree like it's really that balance of both head and heart and if you like if yeah. you lack one but you have the other then like you're out of balance and it will want it will crash right later. naturally so it's like finding that balance and just like inspiring examples of people being authentic and like really like walking the talk in a sense exactly. like doing what they're what they're saying that they're that they're doing or that they right. want to do uh, yeah. who are some of your guys heroes like do you have any big inspirations to kind of what you do or are you your own heroes you're allowed to be uh, that's also one of, it's a tough question uh, even without the 10 second time yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. there's no <laughs> but, 10 second but, um, I'm really I, I'm really inspired by people like Buckminster Fuller, okay. for example. Hey, that what? he was uh, an inventor, and scientist, and sort of really a brilliant jack of all trades mm. um, kind of person. But still, but yeah, but without the sort of like like usually you say jack of all trades, master of none. He was sort of like jack of all trades and master, master. of quite a few things. So he brilliant inventor, and he was he was thinking really out of the box in a in a very like at a very early stage so right. um, and he also was doing this from being motivated by I mean he came very close to suicide for mm-hmm. example and he, he, he lost his daughter and he he was blaming himself he was quite um, alcoholic okay. for a large part of his life right and he came to this point where like I, I want to kill myself but then he had this sort of actually quite I think basically a bonafide mystical experience actually but but he had this experience of like no, um, like you, you should choose to, to stay on um, this planet, but but do it, like make sure that you make it worthwhile, like like be work, be in service of, or act from a place of service to mm-hmm. humanity. So he had this philosophy of he wanted all his and this this sort of um, what's the word? This shines through all of his different projects, like the same basic tenet that was I want to make. Uh, life work for humanity and I want to uh, he had this goal for each invention that he would um, equate to or basically deliver uh, a gain in efficiency of 98% compared to whatever he was trying to improve so he made all, a, a bunch of things like he made a, a, a car for example in 1930 30s I think yeah in the 30s sure, early they, on. they made a few prototypes but uh, this car like carried 13 passengers at a top speed of like 150 kilometers per hour oh. and was using like 0.4 or something liters of uh, gasoline per 10 kilometers. Like, like it was basically having standards that we are used to today already back then. Interesting. Uh, so he's one of them. I don't know. You have you figured something out? <laughs> You're here. Me? Um. Like I said, you can say it's you if you want. Yeah, I know it's not. <laughs> oh, I don't blame you. Definitely not. Definitely <laughs> not. Uh, yeah, heroes. I, I think, I, th- I think maybe it's the word that's tripping me up a little. Yeah, bit. sure. Um, I uh, Buckminster Fuller was definitely up on my list. 
so that Humpus and I often think about these things in very similar ways. Uh, I think I have more people in my pantheon thinkers that I think are, are important to the stuff that we do. Right. Um, and then it's, you know, some of the thinkers that I've mentioned before. I mean, I, I think if it wasn't for the, some of the writings of Karen Barrett, for example, I, I, I don't think I would have understood really the, the deep nature of, um, of, of how, yeah, the, the, the theory behind the, the stuff that always anchors what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, so that's important to me. Mm -hmm. but, awesome. then, but then I think an, anyone in history who has uh, paid a lot of attention to getting out of the way, I think I keep coming back to it. And, and if you study a lot of history, you know, you, you have a lot of great people through the ages who built really good stuff. But a lot of them built things that then immediately fell apart. Of course. Once they left. And that... Uh, then you have examples of people who didn't do that for one reason or another and who built something that was lasting and, and helped other people uh, even when they got out of the way. Correct. And I think that actually a lot of the people who have done that the best are not remembered for the reasons of that they got out of the way fast enough. Mm. So I think probably a lot of uh, heroes uh, are unsung uh, for really, exactly those reasons. Of, really good thought. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think one person that deserves to be mentioned. It's quite ironic that I actually don't. I don't. I don't have to memorize his name, so I can't really. But he's Vasily. It's a Russian uh, colonel that uh, was in charge of nuclear um, detection, early detection, in the sort of central base in in Soviet Union in the eighties. Right. Uh, and uh, he basically single-handedly uh, saved us from nuclear holocaust by hey, that's a good guy. by uh, uh, ignoring orders, yeah, like, ignoring his, his, the protocol he was supposed to follow in this situation. Right, right. Uh, so basically, they had on their radar screens uh, a seemingly American sort of missile launch, and it was basically in the end it was some I don't remember if it was a computer bug or somewhere it was it was basically just like. It wasn't true, but right. he had no way of knowing that it wasn't true, and basically he was committing a, a grave. I mean, basically he was committing sort of the equivalent of treason, like not saving his country from nuclear disaster, but or attack, but not retaliating. But he chose not to, and he received very little recognition. And he's, I mean, he you know, lived poor the rest of his life, and I think it was towards the last years of his life he was sort of pardoned, like right. so not not like really. Honored, but just like okay, we, we, you won't okay. be. I mean, yeah, he was. He never had served prison time. Sure, sure, but, sure. but basically, he was just ignored and like, yeah, they 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 sacked him for not doing his orders. But right. basically, he saved humanity and crazy. Like he's uh, really like on the top ten list of unsung heroes. Yeah, basically. man, that's insane. And it has happened more times in history. Well, of come close a few times. Have you ever thought about sideburns? You could have six sideburns, man, if you shave them. <laughs> you can have pretty dope sideburns. <laughs> you could walk out of here with sideburns. Though, yeah, man. I mean, that could be the surprise That'll be super. Bring it down there. Yeah, man, mutton chops. Why not? That's, they're thick. They're mm. luscious. It's still cool enough to appreciate them outside. Yeah. We'll figure something out here after we get this done. Robin, you know what I think it's time for? Next segment, maybe? I think it's time for Robin's 
favorite time of the day? Would you rather with Robin? So it's basically like one big 10 second question, but with unlimited seconds, where we ponder, would you rather do this one thing or this other thing? So, would you rather be able to talk your way out of any situation or punch your way out of any situation? Oof. Obviously it goes without saying, if you can talk your way out of it, why do you need to punch your way out of it? So it's kind of like, well, you could just talk your way out what's of it. Cooler? What's cooler, I guess, is what like, I'm saying. I mean, well, you you would talking get is, talking is cool. You get you would get out of any situation. So like either way, yeah. It's like there's, there's like a bomb falling on my head, and I can talk my way out. <laughs> no, but what if you like get in trouble with the police? That sounds like magic. And someone asked you, "How did you get out?" Yeah, I punched my way out because you would get away with it. That's the thing. You just yeah. like, super. Uh, but why would you want to like leave this uh, like? You know, piles pile of bodies. I don't know. This is up to you. This is your decision. It's but not but this does not make a lot of sense. I mean, okay, so you're on, you're on the phone with the tax authorities, and they're like, you're gonna have to pay back all the tax. You know, it's just like you you've lost. Well, how are you gonna punch your way out of it's that? Like you're on the power. phone. It's like a like, you power, right? punch no, you just, your phone. You like just that. do it. You just, we're not here to answer that part of the question. We're just <laughs> asking the question. Yeah. Exactly. So the details are up to you to decide. I'm pretty good at talking my way out of situations. <laughs> Maybe I can add punching to the roster. That's no, a good, yeah, that's a great answer. Know. You've decided. You can't go back now. <laughs> the punching is an option, but not maybe the first yeah. option. What about you, Marcus? <laughs> well, I, I think I answered already. I mean, I, yeah, 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 yeah. if you can talk your way out of it, you don't you need, need you, you don't need to punch your way. Out of it. But there's also a sort of surrealist aspect to be able to punch your way out of. Something there is, that, yeah, very surrealist, you know. Like. I think so. That would make great stories for your grandkids. That's too. the thing. I was. So, so I, I ran out of gas in the middle of the desert. I how do you punch your way out of that? Like. <laughs> but how would you talk your way out of that as well? I guess. I mean, I guess. Yeah, you could no, both them. both situations. You're you're. But well, like, maybe you punch some right. gasoline yeah. out of a rock or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, stranger things have happened. Uh, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the flogging will continue until the tank fills up. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, yeah, talking yourself out of that situation is more likely. Like, you get on the phone, you convince someone to, you know, drive out with a spare tank of gas. Right. You solve this. Right. But I suppose you can do that as a regular human thing, you know? You could just call someone anyway. Yeah, but it's not like 100% guaranteed to always work no, in that situation. No, you're right, you're right. You got that. So that would be a little different. These are deep answers. This is why we ask these questions. <laughs> these are questions that the man answers. This is how we get to know you. Exactly. I'm learning a lot, a lot more than I bargained for. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. I actually love it. <laughs> it's not a problem. I, I, I think you got really did get more than you bargained for. You're expecting these cool guys who run yeah. these like containers, so it's like to be like super cool. You got a couple of dorks, man. Like that's what happens. <laughs> that, that actually is way cool. In my opinion, that's a one man's opinion. I love it. I mean, I need to get there. I'm, just, you know, honestly, this whole podcast, all I've been thinking, what's in the secret experience container? <laughs> it will haunt my thoughts until I'm there. Excellent. Uh, it's called imploitation. Yeah. The opposite of exploitation. You kind of right. You create. You create the thought. Secret room, so everyone desperately wants to get in. Of course, of course. It's like the ancient. Um, same concept applied to uh, Solomon's Temple in Jerusalem. Mm. The, the innermost, the holiest, like the holy of the, the holy. holy of the holies. Inner room that only like 
one person could enter one time per year, year and so it's a ritual and right yeah. it's like what's in that room yeah, yeah basically like yeah, that's how you that's uh, what your secret experience is the modern Solomon's temple is what you're saying yeah it could be anything it's a void in, in a sense also as well like there's this it's the boundaries around it that give it power right and not knowing is sort of also a source of power like a mythological power do you have people walk into Levante often that are just like, all right, what is this place? And they walk out friends and collaborators. Nice. I feel like that has to happen. Do people wander in a lot? Yeah, it happens. Yeah. I mean, we get we get quite a lot of like um, truck drivers who wander into really? the bathroom to use the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> but we've had one member literally walking in from the street, like Feven. Oh yeah. She right. had a meeting That's in the harbor and then. She was walking uh, with her, her baby stroller and she needed to refill her water bottle and then we started talking and, and now she's a member. But uh, most of the time, no, I mean, that's one of, the, one of the reasons why we're there in a sense or why we were invited to, to move there was to help transform um, Stockholmians' sort of opinion about the area. So, because in, in a sense, I mean, not, it wasn't that explicit, but basically that's reason why we were invited. Because um, it is sort of a dark spot on the map, like here be dragons, kind of, you'd only go there when you're jumping on a boat to Finland or you have some business there, you know, renting a costume. At Transform the area. Because we're doing a weird thing, because a lot of these initiatives, uh, which is problematic, are happening in uh, places where a lot of people live, and you know, it might be places where people with low income live, etc., and the place gets gentrified, and the people who originally lived here, they push out. We are sort of gentrifying a place between leading and Östermalm that's only been filled with shipping containers up Correct. to now. Correct. So it's it's a, it's a weird thing that we're doing, and I would I would hope that actually we bring more uh, diversity to the area, not less, because it's had very little up yes. to now. It's basically not had anything there. No. Yeah, not, not even actually within. It's not even planned centrally. This one entirely planned on. Yeah. So uh, it's quite a unique spot in Stockholm on many different levels. I get it. Uh, yeah, it's really quite fortunate that we don't have to, we're not in that trap that a lot of these cultural initiatives are in that sort of they want to exist and they want to protect themselves and so on. But then often that comes at a sort of a cost of being aware of that you are in one way or the other contributing to a, a larger, much larger process where you're a tiny actor and that's sort of, yeah, the gentrification process that will force people to move from their homes. Right, right. Rising property prices. So Correct, yeah. right. So, like, we, we really, we have sidestepped that whole thing. So it's yeah, it's fortunate. That's awesome. As we finish this podcast up and I finish this haircut up, what is, would you say, one thing or the most important thing whenever you are going to, I don't know, someone has a dream and wants to, to start their own project, what do you think the most important thing to hold on to is? Actually, the most important thing to do is to let go of stuff a lot mm -hmm. of the time. But the thing, the, the thing you often have to let go of is the idea of that you're going to do this yourself, <laughs> or that you, um, or actually to let go of the idea that your idea is so amazing that it in and of itself is worth a lot. Right. The the thing that's going to make the thing you do great and important and work is the people you collaborate with. Right. Oh, that's good. I like um, that a lot. And be generous with your idea and your time. Um, 
and what you should hold on to. Yeah, I think you should hold, hold on to your uh, some sort of core vision as well, mm -hmm. because that's the other like you, you can't. Uh, you know, completely say that it all just gets magically solved if everyone lets go of everything. You you have to keep direction. Yeah. But um, but perhaps you need to let go a little bit of ownership sure. in order for it to to work. What do you think, Compass Week? That was good. I really. Yeah, yeah I agree with the, uh, with it in general. I would just say that I mean, of course, this is sort of a generalization, and there's all, like each sort of project or dream or whatever or person uh, they have their individual sort of weaknesses and strengths and, and pitfalls and so on so there would of course be a different answer in each sort of context uh, but yeah as is, if, if we're forced to generalize i would agree with what Denise says it's a very common uh, issue with like i mean most projects you can't do alone like it's right. one thing if you're writing a novel then maybe you should you know should do that alone but also that is important to like listen to editors and blah 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 but then kill your darlings and yeah, yeah, yeah but of course there's like we're talking about different kinds of projects but yeah people are important treat them like it that's awesome well thank you gentlemen for coming in today it has been a true pleasure to talk about you like i said we i think we got a lot more than we bargained for and that's the best thing that can happen here we love that well thanks for having us a pleasure that's quite fun. Okay. And maybe we should just say that, I mean, anyone listening, feel free to drop by whenever we really do genuinely love visits and yeah. we're very open to collaboration and, and uh, we're just trying to make Stockholm a better city, basically. So That's the dream. Anyone who's on that train, come visit us. Oh, yeah. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Sips and Clips. If you're as inspired as I am or Blivande sounds like it's right up your creative alley, you can find them at Blivande on social media and at Blivande.com. Otherwise, keep up with Sips and Clips at Sips and Clips on Instagram in between our bi-weekly episode releases on Saturdays. If you're still listening, we greatly appreciate Apple Podcast reviews. Help us shoot to the top of the charts and support us by taking one second and leaving a few nice words about our podcast if you enjoy it over there. Thank you so much as always, and we hope to see you in the shop again sometime soon. Until next time. Bye.